everyone. So, sorry it's been forever. It's been a few weeks since we released our, our last episode, which was the fourth episode. But right now, we're on the fifth episode. And just to recap, um, we were talking about uh, Baba being in school. So, he was in the English school. And we're talking about trying to readjust to a normal life, if possible, in Ayanapa, where they fled. And basically... Uh, his family moved to several different homes, and he was going back and forth from school, back home, um, or what they were trying to make home uh, in Ayanapa. So that's where we are right now. <coughs> Hi, Baba. Hi, Olympia. Hi. So tell us, um, towards the end of your schooling, what happened in that English school, or what was going on during that time? Yeah. Well, the, this is, uh, I guess, a a year after the invasion, and um, and I go into my second year, my last year. Mm-hmm. This is the year when we uh, we were scheduled to take the A level exams for the University of London, okay. which would be <coughs> our entrance exams into the universities of England. Mm-hmm. And um, it was it was a, a better year for me because um, I was through my depression. It was kind of uh, a lot mm. better than the first year yeah. after the invasion. And um, uh, and I, I studied more. I um, I was learning a lot. I was very excited actually uh, to <laughs> finish my studies. Yeah. And I took my GCE exams at the end of that year, and it was it was good. It was very good. I, I did pretty well. Not as well as I wanted. Uh, <laughs> not as well as I did in the O level exams, the ordinary level exams. But it was quite good. So um, considering all the things that we've gone through. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then the application process began for uh, the universities of England. Yeah. And I was accepted by three different universities. Um, I think one was in Birmingham, and two in London. Uh, and um, and I was accepted primarily for um, production engineering. Hmm. So it was really it was really good. I was ready to go to England to study. Yeah. That was my goal. And uh, after that, I was kind of looking at the ways to pay for the universities because they were very expensive. Right. And we had no money because my parents lost everything. Right. They had no income at the time. Or whatever income it was, it was uh, enough to survive on. Yeah. Just barely for food and and nothing much more. So um so yeah, that was that was a concern I had. Mm-hmm. And then in Cyprus of course and at that time and until today, there is a compulsory two-year, it was two years, it was 26 months at that time, service in the military. So I had to give uh, 26 months uh, to serve my country before I left. And in fact, uh, to this day, you are not allowed to leave the country and go study abroad or do anything else until you serve whatever that time is that the military requires of you. Right. So um, I finished my... uh, my uh, schooling, my, which was the last two years, was basically what it would, it would amount to um, college in England. So the, the, the advanced level exams were entrance exams at the universities okay. of England. Mm-hmm. And so I was very happy. I was very satisfied. I was kind of, uh, I felt a level of achievement. Yeah. And I got ready to go into the military. And that July, I was basically drafted. And how um, old were you at that point? I was nineteen. And you fit, and you were done with school. So at this point, after done school, school, they drafted you into the military. Drafted me in the military. 
the first 40 days uh, of basic training, mm-hmm. boot camp, it was tough. It was very tough. Um, but after that, they put us into a specific uh, training for... Um, I was on um, anti-aircraft machine gun and things like that. Mm. Uh, and then after that, I became a... a I was um, made a, a sergeant. Okay. And then I was sent to... Um, my unit and my unit was a very a very tough unit i'll talk about it a little more because that was that was really a a difficult unit and um but because it had training throughout the next two years throughout well the next year and a half mm-hmm. so i spent six months in the in the unit which we called the unit of death because it was designed uh-huh. uh, we were trained continually every day and we and it was designed that they would put us, if there was war, if there was, um, uh, the invasion continued, they would throw us into the area of the line where the line might be breaking or the line was weak and we were being trained so that we can um, move quickly with uh, military vehicles, uh, armored personnel vehicles, mm-hmm. and move into the areas where they needed us in the on the front line. Okay. Um, and so the training was very tough. I mean, we would wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. And this is after boot camp, okay? This is... <laughs> boot camp was bad enough. And <laughs> to continue to do this uh, for the next six months, I, uh, yeah. I was doing this. Uh, wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Uh, you, the breakfast was usually um, uh, tea mm. and a slice of bread, toasted <laughs> usually, oh my God. Uh, with a little marmalade. That was it. That was it. And then we would go training. We would go exercising in the morning, and then we would put on our um, uh, uniforms, and we would load ourselves with all the things that, all the military equipment that we had, and then we'll appear, we'll gather. It was every day. We would gather as a unit, as the entire unit, about 200 of us would gather, and the commander will uh, will appear in front of the commander and the other officers, and and they would check us. It was inspection time every day. And then every Saturday, there would be inspection by the commander in our rooms where we lived. In the, and we had common rooms where eight of us or ten of us or 14 of us would be mm-hmm. uh, sleeping in. And, um, and then there would be inspection of the weapons that we were in charge of. And, and we had some good weapons, good stuff. I mean, some of it from the second, from the Korean War, actually. <laughs> the rifles was, uh, were from the Second uh, World War. <laughs> But we had some really uh, good stuff that were much later, and um, and we, as as an officer, I was assigned uh, an AK-47 and a pistol, oh my gosh. which I really didn't have access to unless it was necessary. And um, hmm. yeah, one of the times that uh, I used those both the pistol and the, um, the, the we would train on them, but then we didn't have them in the uh, with us in the exercises. Right. Uh, the only time I got, I had them continually with me was when they sent us for two weeks to the front line to replace another unit that came back mm-hmm. uh, to, tra- to retrain. Mm-hmm. And so I was on the front line. I would do uh, midnight and early morning um, inspections of the guards. And I would walk from place to place to find the guards. Yeah. And uh, we would use passwords to, uh, to identify ourselves mm-hmm. and... And then I had my AK-47 with me and uh, my pistol. Wow. And the Turks were not very far away, so we were always careful. We were always scared what we might encounter. I mean, if 
if the Turks wanted to uh, intercept us, they could. So this, we didn't try to intercept them, but you know, you're this, always you're always on on guard, and you're always kind of careful. Of course, because at this point, just to understand again where we are, we're two years after the invasion. Two years after the invasion. So at this point, the the Turks have not continued, like firing like they're not actually in combat with Cypriots at this point or no, are all they? No, com- all combat finished two years ago. Okay, so okay. it literally was just that yeah. small period so of time they, and that was it and yeah, they have yeah. that area occupied, the northern yes. part of Cyprus They have occupied. the northern part of Cyprus occupied and then uh, they they created this uh, neutral zone as they called it between the troops, the Cypriot troops and the, uh, and the Turkish troops mm-hmm. yeah, but they had really, I mean they had tanks uh, which we didn't have. They had um, heavy-duty yeah, modern had, they had serious weapons. equipment, yeah, which yeah, uh, yeah. they're getting because they're members of NATO and friends of the United States. And they're, you know, they had all kinds of things. Cyprus actually was banned because it was not supposed to have a, an army. Uh, it was banned from purchasing things from people. So whatever we had was either given to us uh, through Greece or we purchased it illegally through the European countries that were selling uh, weapons, or they, um, or we captured them when we captured the Turkish villages in the first uh, round of the wars of yeah. the war, yeah, yeah. Of the skirmishes. So we had a lot of equipment that we took from the Turks, but um, we didn't have modern tanks. We didn't have. Uh, modern um, They were artillery. just so much stronger in what they had. They, they just had so many stronger. more things. And we had about 7,000 soldiers, and they had about 40,000 yeah, Turkish troops, yeah. well-trained and right. fully equipped. So, I mean, if they wanted to take over, they could do it any time. They could time. do it at any moment. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the worry and part of the, um, the concern because we were, I mean, we were kids, and, and they were professional soldiers on the other side, a yeah. lot of them. And... Um, and they had probably better training. I don't know. I mean, I, I have no idea. But yeah. but they definitely had more weapons, more soldiers, and more modern weapons than we did because we didn't have much. Well, you weren't even allowed to. Yeah, I mean, inter- by international law, we were blocked from purchasing, officially purchasing weapons from main countries like the U.S. or England or France. Or Do you know why? Uh, it was part of the, the agreement that was made in 1960 when Cyprus became an independent country. Mm. And they were supposed to be protected by the three nations, England, Turkey, and Greece. Mm. So when Turkey invades, the Republic of Cyprus has no rights to uh, have weapons. because That's interesting. Yeah, it's even, a little it, confusing because it's, it's confusing, really political. Yeah. yeah, It's very political. And to this day, they have not yet received that approval officially. Whatever they have, they get it through Greece. Wow. And whatever they have, they purchase it illegally, in a way, from other countries that we sell <laughs> illegally That's to sell. them. Yeah. Illegally from the international standpoint. weapons standpoint, you know, whatever it is. It's very political. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. very political. And it's confusing. And it's confusing. Yeah, and it's, um, and it's difficult for small nations like Cyprus to, to find their rights because... Um, if the big com- countries don't support them, they can have no rights. Yeah, that's And it. so, I mean, we're invaded and nobody supported us. We're invaded and nobody came to our rescue. Right. We're invaded and nobody gave us weapons. I mean, come on. I mean, is this uh, right. human rights? Is this right. uh, uh, justice? Is, this, is right. this democracy? Is this? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're a democratic party, uh, country and, and the Turks invaded us. So where are the big co- countries that claim that they're democratic and they stand for freedom and democracy? Right. Okay, the Turks destroyed the democratic country. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So it's, I mean, there's a lot of hypocrisy in the world and of course, a yeah. lot of hypocrisy in politics. 
And when you hear these politicians talking about uh, rights and <laughs> human rights and whatever, all of our human rights were violated. All of our, uh, you know, uh, rights as a country were violated. Right. And nobody came to a rescue to right. this day, 45 yeah, years later. Yeah, 45 years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're so still we're, basically in the same position. Yeah, we're all these guys who are talking about democracy and freedom. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, come on, give yeah. me a break. I mean, yeah. I can't hear any more hypocrisy when I it comes know. to that. It's, I'm fed up with them. I agree. So and, when and I hear them talk about it, I say, leave me alone. Yeah. You haven't done it for me. I don't believe that you're going to do it for the people. Yeah. You're doing it for your own interests. Yeah. Whatever your interests are served by yeah. that, then you then claim you that you're going to mm-hmm. Yeah, you claim that you're going to support the human rights and the human freedoms and the and the democracy, but right. you're not you don't do it for us. Mm. Okay? So But even then the Cypriot <coughs> government still required that males before they would go to university still go to the military for two years. I think that's really interesting anyway. Yes, regardless. Of I, mean. I mean, they have to because when the small country is defenseless, they need to have something. Have something. So mm. they, they they created the line of defense, which, I mean, the Turks could violate any time they wanted. <laughs> That's true. But at least we were feeling a little safer knowing that there are, you know, our kids, we, we as kids, we are young people, we're standing there, and if the Turks wanted to do something, we will stand up to them at least. Maybe they will kill us, but we will stand up to them and say, you know. You, you felt some type of control but not really but like yeah. some type of you're making something a yes, difference yes, in yes. some way yeah we knew how weak we were and how vulnerable right. we were right. but we were willing to die to defend our country yeah if we had to yeah so and who established the line the green line which is called it's called we yeah we well call basically the, the turks the okay. turks and and wherever we resisted they stopped and wherever we didn't resist it, they took more and um, and then once the skirmishes stopped, then they whatever the status quo, whatever the positions were, they became the status quo. So the since then, I mean that's exactly to explain to people what that is. It's the line that <coughs> basically uh, that Turks claim they have all this land up to this line of in the country. So they established this invisible line, basically. I mean, I guess they have actual people there now. (laughs) But I mean, at the time, like, the idea of a line is, you know, it's not like it's penciled into the ground. But In places like Lefkosia, the capital, Mm -hmm. um, the the distance between the Turkish military on on that side, on the north side, and the the Greek Cypriots on the southern side Mm -hmm. uh, is like... um, Hundred yards away, sixty yards away. You can see each other. You can see the guards. Mm-hmm. In uh, other places, uh, it can be a mile, it can be yeah. half a mile, mm-hmm. it can be a quarter of a right mile, depending against, on. Yeah. yeah, they're right up against us. But they created this green line, as we call it, and or, and then in between those, the positions of the Turks and the positions of our troops, is what we call the neutral zone, that nobody's allowed to go in except the United Nations soldiers, mm, which still exist in Cyprus. There is a United Nations contingency mm. that uh, basically reports and, and kind of maintains the neutral zone. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They're the only ones who go into the neutral zone. Gotcha. And we had many cases where our soldiers might walk into the neutral zone and they were killed by the Turks. Oh, my on God. The other side. Oh, yeah, several cases. Are you serious? Uh, while, you were, while you were in the military? Yes, yes. Uh, not, not those two years, ah. but over the years, over the last 45 years, there were many cases. How would they get into the neutral zone? 
All you did need to do is step down from your position and walk into the neutral zone. There was no uh, nothing to stop you. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. So what the what the kids what the, in Lefkosia? They did this in Lefkosia. I remember there are at least two cases in Lefkosia where mm. they begin a conversation with a Turkish soldier. Oh no! Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the uh, and they you know they talk to each other, they become friends over a period of months. Oh wow! And then the Tur- Turkish soldier says. Hey, come over. Let's have a cup of coffee together. Oh, okay. No, this is not so okay. the Greek boy puts his gun down mm-hmm. and walks over. And while he's approaching the position of the Turks, uh, the officer comes in. The Turkish officer comes in, sees him walking toward the uh, the other guard, the Turkish guard, pulls his gun out, and, and shoots he shoots him. him dead. So they just set them up. Oh, well, I'm not sure that it was, it was a setup. I don't think it was intentional. But the Turkish boy should have command. Should have. Uh, uh, conferred with know. his commander before he invited the Greek boy to come over because Aww. the commander comes in, sees a Greek soldier walking up to his uh, he's got, guy. Right, of course he's going to shoot. Him. Oh my so God, that's I don't horrible. think it was a setup, but it was really a tragic thing because yeah. you don't do things like that. Anyway, it was dumb on the Greek side to do such a thing. But Well, um, he probably assumed if that guy was saying, hey, it's okay, that he'd be okay. You know, who he knows? He did assume who that. Knows? Yes, yeah. he did assume that. It that's sounds the whole like point. he assumed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's that, but really sad. But when you're at war, you don't assume things like that. And, you know, I mean, so he yeah. made a mistake. Yeah. And then, of course, the other guy, instead of stopping him, saying, what on earth are you doing? Stop. Put your hands down, you know, and fall on the ground or whatever. He shot him. Yeah. Because wow. life is not valued when you are. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, for sure. So there were, we lost several soldiers like that. Dumb kids, you know. I mean, they, they thought that the other side was uh, as kind as they were and. Oh and God, that's so them. sad. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. me sad because mm. they were nice. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. or they were they in their hearts thought, oh, maybe this is okay. You know, and it's like, yeah, no, yeah. it wasn't. Well, okay. the Turkish Cypriot uh, kids might might have been kind and uh, and they cared, but uh, those over them who are mostly Turkish officers from Turkey, they were not. They no, numbers, forget it. Yeah, so. yeah, forget it. Anyway, okay. so so the you had your unit. Hmm? You had your unit. Yeah, I had my unit. I was Mm -hmm. at my unit. And then the interesting thing is that uh, six months after I got to my unit, Mm -hmm. I was called back to the the training camp, the boot camp, to train the next uh, batch of soldiers that were coming in. So Mm -hmm. a year after I entered into the military Mm -hmm. uh, and my basic training at the boot camp, I was brought back as as a sergeant major to be at the head of an entire unit. um, locos, they call it in Greek. I'm not sure what the English, <laughs> English equivalents <laughs> are, but but there were 200 young men that were under my care. Oh my gosh! Um, for their training, and I was the sergeant major of the entire. I call I say sergeant major because I don't know exactly what the equivalent would be in the American military, so I'm not mm. quite sure. Okay. <laughs> I was not the sergeant major okay. for boot camp in the sense of training. The particular kids because I didn't take part so much in the training. I was more responsible uh, for the um, administration of the trainers, mm. and I was under an officer, of a high-ranking officer that was uh, overlooking the whole thing. And then, mm. and then the whole uh, camp was under a general. We had, okay. we had, uh, or a colonel. We had a full colonel that was in charge of the entire camp. Mm-hmm. But. Um, yeah, we. I had two hundred kids in my care, wow. and then, 
and and I, I worked uh, I worked on this for about uh, four months. Okay. Um, we finished uh, their training, uh, the first basic training of the 40 days, and then we did the specialized training in the different um, uh, weapons and, mm-hmm. and stuff, and then we sent them to their units. <laughs> so by after four months, I went back to my unit as okay, well. Okay. So by Christmas, I was back in my unit, and then I had another uh, six, eight, uh, nine months until, well, yeah, nine months, full nine full months, because... I was supposed to to get out by September sometime. Um, So when I returned back to the unit, I'm thinking about school. University. University, yeah, yeah, because uh, I would be free by September. Universities, most universities in those days would start by September. So I would be leaving for a university somewhere. But most likely not in Cyprus, though. Cyprus did not have any universities at the time. I see. No university whatsoever. Okay. That's and important to know. <laughs> most Cypriots would go to Greece, but I, I was in an English school, so I really could not, and I never even tried to go to Greece. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to take the Greek exams, but I was not interested in the Greek system also because they would force me to go into whatever um, yeah. whatever discipline they wanted mm. based on the exams, which I was not willing they to They would take. choose a track for you. Yes, and yeah. I did not want to do that. Do that. So I was looking for an English-speaking university. Right. Uh, so England was my plan. I had three positions in three different universities mm-hmm. in England. So. Um, and Cyprus is very close to England, if you're looking at a map. Well, it's four hours, actually. It's not yeah. Well, close. it's three close than, like, by, from America yeah. going to Germany. You know what I mean? Because yeah, when we think out of the country, if you're here in America, you're not thinking. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's much closer in yeah, distance yeah, yeah, than yeah. what you would think well, of England, here. England was natural for Cypriots because... Uh, a lot of Cypriots spoke English, and right. of course, my school was an English school, so it was the right. training was preparation for, for English universities. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it was not preparation for American universities, it was preparation <laughs> right. for English universities. Was, <laughs> that was the idea. That was you know, the idea, was, yeah. And as I said, the last two years of my school mm-hmm. uh, were, were what would amount to the college years in England, mm. which are separate from university. See, they have uh, two years of college and they have three years of university. Oh, that's interesting. That's how they split it up. Okay. Now, in America, you get, you say college and university and it's you mean the same, the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's four years. Ah, okay. Okay, so. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't so it was know a different that. setup. It mm-hmm. was. Uh, the system is different, how they the defined is different, everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how it is today, but I assume it's the same for, for the British university. Possibly. So. Mm-hmm. so I was ready to go to uh, England, but there was no money. Mm. Um, I had my uncle from England who was alive at the time, uh, yeah. Uncle Andreas. <laughs> he was in Birmingham, so I did have a position in Birmingham. Mm. I talked to him. Um, it didn't seem like it was possible for me to work and go to school and find support. I, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, sure, so I, I just ro- wrote that off. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was looking into other directions. So yeah. An opportunity came, and I applied. Are you still in the military right I'm now? I'm still in the military. Okay. I'm, I'm about uh, in April, maybe, or in uh, in uh, uh, no, maybe in, maybe in the winter time, maybe mm-hmm. in February. And uh, an opportunity is given to me to apply for the American University of Beirut huh. through the Fulbright Scholarship. Okay. And um, and I didn't apply to the university. I applied to the Fulbright Scholarship. So they can cover me because I didn't have any money to pay right. for the university. So right. the American University of Beirut was quite, uh, it had a good uh, reputation. Mm-hmm. And some students that went to the English school 
before me, that they graduated before me, they were already uh, in the University of the American University of Beirut studying engineering and other things. Mm. So I inquired into it, and uh, and they said this is a good place to be. Okay. So I actually applied for the scholarship, and I got it. Oh wow! I got it for civil engineering. So oh wow! So I said, okay, I'm all set. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have a position, so you know, I know I'm going to Beirut. Beirut is only 80 miles away mm. from Cyprus, so it's yeah. really a short flight by the by plane. Yeah. Um, yeah, very short flight by plane. And then. And then it's as if, for poor peer people of Beirut, as if, forgive the expression, all hell fell apart for them. Or broke loose. Broke loose, yeah. yeah. It, uh, it was the beginning of the big um, invasion of Israel and the, mm. uh, to clean out Hezbollah mm. from uh, Beirut. Hezbollah um, had already abducted the, um, the president of the University of Beirut. Oh, my God. And, uh, and nobody knew where he was. And then the Israelis invaded, and mm. Beirut was falling apart. It was burning through the summer, through that summer. So in the meantime, I knew that there was war going on, and I was concerned. Yeah. So one of my friends that was leaving, uh, he was getting out of the military uh, a bit early because his family were able to emigrate to the United States. Oh, and they okay. were they were coming to New York. Did they also experience the invasion? Like they were yeah, from your yeah, town? They were, yeah. Ah, okay. They're not from my town. They oh. were from uh, Carpasiet, uh, from but Tricomo. But they experienced it too, from yeah. From Tricomo. And they experienced the war. And they were leaving because they had no place to, to be there. Mm -hmm. So they had some relatives in the United States. They were able to get um, an invitation. Good. So they, they didn't come as refugees because mm. the, the interesting thing is that we were not recognized internationally as refugees. as refugees. The United States did not recognize us as refugees. Mm. Australia did. Canada did. Really? But the United States and England Australia did not recognize us. Australia and Canada us. did. Yes, yes. I always like that. But the United States did not recognize <laughs> yeah. us as refugees. So we really had no rights as refugees in the United States. And, and um, we couldn't emigrate just because we were refugees. Or we couldn't apply for that. Yeah. Which there is a, you know, the United States brings in a lot of war refugees every year from around the world. But, but they did recognize us. That's how kind they were to us in that, that time. That is wild. Yeah. Wow. So, so we, um, so what, what, when my friend was getting ready and he was being released from the army uh, early, we had a conversation and they said, well, Beirut is in bad it's in bad trouble. It was not fully invaded and it was not fully destroyed yet, but I said something is not going right in Beirut. I don't know that I would be able to go to the American University. In Beirut, yeah. In Beirut. So, so would you please um, check in New York when you get there, because they were coming to New York. Um, check to see if there is a school that will offer engineering, <laughs> what the expense is, mm -hmm. And if there is um, if there's a way that I can work and cover my expenses, and um, and still make if it, that's possible. If yeah, that's possible. Yeah, yeah. if it's a, something that other people are doing, and if it's possible for someone like me to do, because I have no support, because my parents don't have anything, and and I have no scholarships for you know for that. Yeah. So there's no way for me to um, bring money with me, therefore, uh, or receive money from here. So yeah, would it be possible? So he. He left, mm -hmm. and within a few weeks, I received a letter. He says, "Yes, there is." And a you were still in the military. And you yeah, got yeah this I'm still in the military. While you were there. This is probably around June, maybe. Okay. 
Okay. So we I had get a few the, months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I get the letter. This is June of 1978. Okay. Yep. Just to put Your it. Your last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my last 1978. year. 1978. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and um, and so so I, I receive a letter from uh, my friend, uh, and hmm. uh, he he says, um, um, yes. Um, there is a school called City College. It's a government. <laughs> it's a government. It's a city school, mm-hmm. City College, and it has an engineering um, department. The tuition is, um, I think, it was like fifteen hundred a semester at the time for foreign students. Wow, how nice! Which was not <laughs> as as forbidding as the English universities, which were like uh, five thousand pounds a year hey, or something. That's a, a lot of money. It was, ten, it was ten, eight to ten thousand pounds a year. Oh my goodness! That's a lot of that's money. That's a lot of money at the that's time. That's a lot of money because the British would not give us, as Cypriots, they would not give us a discount like they gave uh, to their own people, for example. Yeah. Um, anyway, so because the British universities are subsidized by the government too, mm-hmm. so and so I see the college, but we see the college. If you're a foreign student, it was fifteen hundred dollars a semester, I believe, <laughs> or maybe I don't remember right now. Uh, I think it was 15 a semester. Okay. 1500. And if you were a, a uh, uh, an American citizen, it was 750 a semester. Wow. At the time. I don't I know what it is. I would die for 750 a semester. Well, my, we're talking about 45 years ago. I so know, I know. <laughs> but that's wild. The value that's of crazy. Money was, yeah, was yeah. much bigger, you know, in that sense. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, and he, he responded, he says, this is, the, this is what it is. This is the address of the school mm. to apply. And. Um, and the yeah, and there is a possibility for you to work in a diner, in a restaurant. There are a lot of Greek diners and Greek restaurants, right? And earn a little money to survive and pay the tuition. And there are other students who are doing it as well. So it's possible. It's possible you to do. You could it. do this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I said, okay. Um, I kept well just to be safe because I was hoping Beirut will open up and I don't have yeah. to to come that far mm-hmm. to go that far to find a school. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I did apply okay. to City College. I was accepted okay. uh, in engineering. Okay. And um, Did you tell your Yabapu? Did they even know you were applying to yes, different yes, things? Yes, of course. They knew okay. everything. I, I kept them You kept them informed. up to date. Yeah, up to date. <laughs> okay, that's good. I mean, they didn't really have any choice for me, and they didn't have any... Yeah. I mean, they didn't know what what would be best. At this point, at this point, let's update really fast. What is Theo Theodoros doing? What is Theo Stelio doing? What is Theo Barbara doing? Your older brother, your younger brother, and then younger sister. What are they doing while you're in the military applying to, to going to New York? Yeah, oh, Varvara, the youngest one, she's five years younger than me. She, mm-hmm. um, she was in uh, middle school, high school. She was in school. She was still in school. School. Okay. Stelios was in school, but Stelios went through the same uh uh, depression that I did as well so mm. he was failing some of his uh, classes, classes in high school so I sat down with my father one day and I said and we said and we thought about uh, but he loved he loved the restaurant we well mm-hmm. we were at Nice Beach and after we left Nice Beach mm-hmm. Stelios kept going back to the kitchen <laughs> and that he was, was his learning thing. he was learning he mm. was really learning and the people there there were some kind uh, people and they were helping him to learn okay so we saw that he had a great love for uh, cooking yeah, for culinary, yeah. culinary, yeah. Yeah. So as I came back and forth from Lefkosia, I discovered that there was a, uh, a cor- corollary school for uh, young men like uh, Stelios mm. uh, called the Xenodohiagi Scholi, the Hospitality 
School, school of Cyprus, which was preparing chefs and other uh, culinary profe- professions yeah, <laughs> yeah, for for servicing the hotels because tourism was picking up. Yes, yeah. Okay. Cyprus is, mm-hmm. So I, I came back one day and I said to my father, look, uh, that school will give him all the training. It was a three-year program. Mm-hmm. Give him the high school diploma and will also give him um, a degree or a certificate for cooking, was for Bapu being a chef. Was okay with that? Like, was he upset about that route or was he okay? You think he was okay no, no, with that? No, no, he was he looking for it? the best thing for Stelios. Oh, uh, that's good though. There wasn't and a pressure like, you need to go be a doctor. It was like, what can we no, find no. that you are good at that you enjoy yes, to do? Yes, that's it. He enjoyed doing he that. Enjoyed doing we it. saw that. We talked to him about it. <laughs> and that he is says, so cool. Of course. So, yeah, okay. Stelios, before I left, uh, I think it's before I left Cyprus while I was in the military, he, he went to the school. Okay. Uh, and uh, and that was a boarding school, so and it was a government okay. government school, so mm-hmm. uh, there was no tuition. That's it was cool. all fully. That's um, really nice. Yeah, yeah. And Stelios thrived. Aww. He was number one. Dear he was one of the best cooks they <laughs> graduated. So he still and, is. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so and so that um, that took care of Stelios. Okay. Varvara, I was not there for the rest of the time because yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I we'll left, get to but, that point. <laughs> but Theodoros, my older brother, yes, what he did was he got out of the military a year after um, after the invasion, mm-hmm. and um, he was actually considering staying and becoming a professional, uh, like an officer, because he was uh. already a, a sub lieutenant. Yeah, but um, we had some conversations about it, and I said to him, "There's no future in that. You know, really? education is really the best." And yeah. he, he wanted to learn more, so mm-hmm. he came out of the military after serving for three years, poor guy, Jeez. 36 months. Mm. And then um, and then he left for Greece. He applied for a university in Greece. He left for Greece, and he okay. was studying in Greece while I was in the military. He, okay. was, um, gotcha. he was studying in Greece. Okay. Um, and I'll, we'll connect it later. later. Yes, yeah. for sure. <laughs> but he was getting, um, I think a master, an uh, MBA basically, or an equivalent of that. It was a business degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, anyway, so so here I am. I'm I'm in the summer of 1978. I am uh, like three months, three four months away from uh, finishing Maybe. my mm-hmm. my my, my service uh, in the military. Yeah. And um, and I'm still struggling to figure out where I'm going. And then it was like Beirut completely. Burned fell up, apart. fell yeah. apart, mm-hmm. completely fell apart, and so um, and I had no other choice. The university president of the American University of Beirut was abducted, never found. He was killed by the by the uh, Hezbollah people. Mm. Israel had invaded, destroyed the city uh, to destroy Hezbollah. They fought in the streets and destroyed. I mean, if you see the pictures from that mm-hmm. time, Mm-mm. it was like um, total destruction, dem- yeah. demolition of the city. Yeah. Anyway, so. Um, that was definitely not an option to go there. It was not an option. <laughs> yeah. I only had one option, and that was City College in New York. So you applied? I already applied. I got accepted. Yes. And somewhere in the middle of the summer, I knew by July that New York was the you only option go. I had. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So we're going we're gonna to yeah. stop the story there because the next episode, we're going to dive into how it was first of all coming to america literally <laughs> um and then like that shock of being here in the states and how how do you how did you deal with 
understanding the invasion and leaving Yambapu in Cyprus when you guys were when you were here. And I know eventually we'll tie in Theodoros too. Yeah. Um, and Theostelius later. We'll tie in all the all the siblings later. Yeah. So we're definitely going to dive into that and what happened um, and how the invasion kind of loops into how you lived here. So yeah. we'll we'll talk about that the next episode. But thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah, um, thank you all for listening. Um, yeah, it's a lot of information, and it's about somebody that a lot of you don't know who is obviously very important to me. So, <laughs> um, But if you guys ever have any questions, you can always go to my social media, um, at Olympia Papaji. On Instagram and Twitter, um, you can find me on Facebook as well. And you can always ask questions. And if we do get questions, we will answer them. So you can always ask anything you want or whatever you're confused about because this is a lot of information with a lot of names and things that are not familiar to people who don't know the language. Um, So we're open to answering anything. But we will definitely uh, see you next time. So thanks for listening and thanks, Ba. Thank you, Olympia. And thank you to our listeners too. Yes, for sure. Okay, bye guys. (laughs) Thank you.